0: Chapter 27 of The Leopard's Claw by George Washington Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Arrival of the Countess One sunshiny afternoon, Lord Doubley escorted Lucretia upon a ramble by the seashore. When they returned about six o'clock, Lucretia was laughing and looking more like herself than she had for the last four months. When they reached the castle, they were greeted upon entering the hall by a tall blonde in a soft clinging morning gown. Lord Dudley introduced the stranger to Lucretia as her cousin, Georgiana. The countess was a very handsome woman and wore her very tasteful and expensive clothes with a graceful and well-studied poise. Her charm of manner and ready smile soon won for her the centre of attraction whenever she held her court. You see, my dear the count died last week and i thought that there would be no need of distressing mother or disturbing this quiet family circle so that i decided i should come and visit you two turtle doves in your quiet island home while i am mourning and retired from society georgiana repeated as she smiled into lucretia's face lucretia welcomed her handsome cousin and could not help but fall under her charm as she pitied her husband for his hasty marriage the countess had not lost her art of coquetry during her long exile from the society world she so dearly loved she resented the conventionalism which demanded that she should retire for a morning period from the gay social life and the promptings of her old feelings for lord winslow and a desire to test her old influence and compare her charms with the inexperienced girl wife offered a pleasant diversion she decided that it would be best to come unannounced because her parents would have given up the idea of the proposed yachting trip and returned with her to montroy castle or some quiet country seat once at the winslow castle she soon overruled her mother's objections and began her flirting campaign against her young hostess lord winslow was very surprised when he received the countess as a guest He had outgrown the boyish passion and understood the selfish and heartless nature of the beautiful widow as no one except her parents could suspect, but he would not permit his personal feelings to cause him to forget the duties of host to a young widowed cousin, and he had to admit that the castle had livened up and that the countess was a rare and charming conversationalist she spared no pains to please lord winslow and knowing his favorite themes she exerted herself to intelligently discuss them sometimes lord winslow thought that the discipline of the old count had broadened her ideas and changed her for the better but she kept him attending her constantly so much that some of the friends who called at the castle remarked about the flirtation and expressed their disapproval lucretia pined and became more reserved always endeavouring to hide the terrible secret with a smile but lord winslow misunderstood her aloofness and thought that she preferred the companionship of her uncle and that he was doing her a favour to relieve her of the society of the countess who was becoming rather burdensome he often compared his innocent young wife with the worldly woman and thanked his kind fate that had directed his final choice the Earl of Doubly watched the drama, and understood his selfish daughter's plans. He therefore spent less time with Lucretia, and endeavored to make a third party to their chats. Xena had also noticed the change, and grieved in her helplessness to aid her silent mistress. One day Lucretia wandered down to the beach, and Xena followed, and approaching, said, "'My lady, it breaks my heart to see you so sad. Why don't you send that woman away?' hush zena do not say anything against the countess it was all my fault i was too young to marry oh mother she sobbed as she opened her heart to her beloved maid i must go back to africa if we could only get to reverend jones but i am afraid we could not locate him i should be afraid to go to the convent because sister teresa would send me back i could bear it if i alone were unhappy but just think how poor reginald must suffer when he looks at me and regrets that we married so early lucretia confided to Zena, why not return to freetown and have old sally george our laundress to find a quiet place for us to live Zena suggested but who knows where sally lives she thought a great deal of me but everybody did that in africa oh if we could find yanga "'I wonder if she might have returned to Freetown,' Lucretia replied. "'I have visited Sally's house. It is on the Furrah Bay Road, and I could easily find it again,' Zena added. A few days after the conversation, Zena was walking up the southeast coast, where she frequently visited in the hope of arranging for their flight. As she walked along the seashore, she noticed the body of a drowned young woman washed upon the shore the light brown curls and face somehow reminded her of lucretia as she stood looking upon it she saw old low approaching he was a dumb fisherman who lived in a cabin behind the cliffs near which the body was lying she motioned to him to assist her carrying it to the cabin after paying and cautioning him to secrecy she hastened towards the castle she met lucretia walking out alone and told her of her discovery and plans oh but zina that would be too horrible i would like them to believe me to be dead but i could not exchange clothes with a dead woman and deceive them so cruelly lucretia exclaimed in an expression of horror i don't want you to wear her clothes but to exchange your clothes for a boy's suit i have at the cabin and try to take a ship for france disguised as a young man and wire me where to meet you later you don't have to see the woman unless you want to if we leave together as we first planned they will soon find us and you will have to explain your reason for leaving to your husband and uncle zina replied to lucretia's objections but i have not over ten sovereigns in my purse i should have to return to the castle and it would be too late before i could come out again lucretia remarked you may take my purse i have one hundred and twenty pounds or five hundred and eighty-seven dollars in it, I have saved from your generous presence. Don't lose time, it is one thirty p m now, and it will take an hour to reach the cabin. Zina urged, No, Zina, I cannot imagine poor uncle mourning over another person and thinking it was his unhappy niece. And for poor Reginald and Georgiana, it would be most unpleasant. Oh, no, suppose they think that I committed suicide your plan is impossible she sobbed you are committing slow suicide already and cannot live much longer at this rate you will cause me to murder that red-haired snake-eyed woman zina said in a towering passion lucretia was really frightened as she had never seen zina in such a temper and she read the penned-up fury which had reached its limit of endurance zena had completely forgotten her position and looked upon lucretia as her childhood friend who was being slowly murdered let us go zena i shall do as you say but you must promise me upon your oath that you will not harm the countess or anyone else for my sake lucretia replied as she walked towards the southeast the fisherman will rent his boat which we will capsize so as to have them think that the drowning was accidental zina assured lucretia in her natural voice when they reached the shack lucretia refused to look upon the corpse but entered an adjoining room and donned the ill-fitting suit zina had secured zina hesitated and tried to think of a way to avoid cutting the heavy locks of hair Lucretia decided that the sacrifice would be the only thing to do under the circumstances, so that Zena braided the hair in two long thick braids and clipped them closely. When she covered with a cap which partially hid the poorly barbered hair, Lucretia placed the two locks in her bosom, and Zena recalled the leopard's claw. "'Do not forget the claw. His lordship would look for it the first thing,' Zena repeated. "'I cannot part with it, Zena.' "'but what you say is quite true.' "'Oh, what shall I do?' "'Mother, dear, do guide your poor unhappy child,' Lucretia sobbingly cried. Zena patted and soothed her as if she were a child. "'My dear father will forgive me for trying to make dear Reggie unhappy.' "'Unloosen it, Zena, and let me go away from here,' she cried almost hysterically. Pulling the chain from her neck, she dropped it into Zena's hand and ran away from the cabin.' keeping in an easterly direction she almost ran into mr wilson a chicago millionaire aviator who was walking impatiently up and down the beach a few paces from his biplane which was out of its hangar he was dressed in his flying outfit and was about to make an angry remark when lucretia meekly apologized and asked if he were about to fly to france yes i should have started ten minutes ago if my companion had any idea of time he impatiently replied will you take me along i must reach france this evening she said yes jump in i won't wait another second for harris he will have to take a boat mr wilson replied in his usual impetuous manner they flew over the channel and landed at alone near the central station it was then four o'clock but the late spring afternoon was bright and balmy after the machine had landed and mr wilson assisted his passenger from the machine he noticed the very poor haircut and the ill-fitting clothes on the girlish form his impatience to reach the continent in the time he had planned and the delay caused by his tardy friend had so absorbed his mind that he paid no attention to the young lad whose timid voice was so very effeminate He thought perhaps he was a young French student, who was attending school in England, and wanted to spend the week with his parents. But when he noticed Lucretia closely, he concluded that he had assisted an elopement. "'Are you expecting a friend to meet you, little one?' he asked very kindly. "'No, I am going on to Paris,' Lucretia replied. Mr. Wilson accompanied her to the waiting-room at the station. "'Is it an elopement, kid?' ''Let me into the secret, since I have assisted Cupid,'' he said to Lucretia as he seated her and stood before her. ''An elopement?'' she asked in genuine alarm and surprise. Mr. Wilson was convinced of his mistake and became alarmed at what might happen to the unprotected girl masquerading in a boy's clothes in the city of Paris. ''Have you relatives or close friends in Paris?'' he asked no this is my first visit lucretia truthfully replied great scott what have i done say little girl you must tell me why you are masquerading in boys clothes and going to paris i cannot tell you any more than i have and must beg you please accept my thanks for crossing me in your machine i must be securing my ticket and therefore bid you adieu lucretia replied as she arose she was surprised that her secret was detected and anxious to make her escape from her inquisitive companion wait a minute i will secure tickets for both of us will you tell me your name i am wilson of chicago mr wilson stated in the hope that he would be able to communicate with her parents moncrief is my name lucretia replied as she held out her hand boyishly when mr wilson left for the ticket office lucretia looked around for means of escape because she suspected that he would recognize the name and try to communicate with her uncle End of chapter twenty seven